2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host James Vickers. You can find me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers, where I write for a Preston North End fan blog, which is at Deepdale Digest.
1: Hello, my name is Louis Shackshaft. I represent Sheffield Wednesday on the podcast. I'm a freelance writer. I do a lot of uh, writing, basically on Sheffield Wednesday and I'm big on statistics also. And you can check me out on uh, Twitter, which is my Twitter handle is just my name, Louis Shackshaft. Hi,
0: yes, I'm Kevin. I'm the editor of Leeds United Mad. I've got a Leeds United Twitter handle, Leeds United underscore mad. And uh, yeah, I talk and speak and write everything about Leeds United.
2: Yeah, cheers for joining today, guys. It's been another busy week this week, same as last week. Both, all of our teams actually have had midweek games and then also games this weekend as well. Um, We'll start with you first, Louis. Games against Birmingham and Leeds United um, after what was a tricky sort of week last weekend, losing the Sheffield derby. And sort of tell us how your week's gone and sort of what are your thoughts on it?
1: Uh, it's been difficult, actually, this week as a Wednesday fan because, you know, it will, everyone were wondering if there was going to be any light at the end of the tunnel, basically. Um, obviously, like you have just said, we, we lost the Sheffield derby, which was, you know, devastating, if you like. And it wasn't just a loss, it was the manner of the performance. And, and going into Birmingham uh, when we played them midweek, uh, again, we lost against a team who were really struggling to score goals and, and pick up points. So that was very, very disappointing, losing away. I mean... You know, there was just lack of fire and energy again from Sheffield Wednesday. And and it was the same in in the Sheffield derby. And and that's what's been most disappointing. And and to be honest, a a lot of fans, there's been a 50-50 split of seeing like Carlos Carvajal in the firing. Um, And and the game today against Leeds was, you know, a must-win game for him. And, you know, we'll come on to that. But against Birmingham... um, you know, Hoop. It's not an excuse, but Hoop had a goal disallowed, which was given offside, which I don't think what I don't think was offside. It should have stood, which at the time was nil-nil, and we we could have gone one-nil ahead. Um, but yeah, we after after the game we lost against, like I say, a bit lacklustre, and 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 we slumped to sixteenth in the table, and and like I say, it was, you know, as a Wednesday fan this week, it's it's been one of the worst weeks. In a long time, to be honest, suffering back-to-back defeats. So, like I say, um, moving into the Leeds game, um, it, it was a must-win game for Carlos Cavajal and and for the fans to see where you know if <laughs> if we still got a team we were playing for the fans and and for the manager. And to be honest, watching the game today against Leeds, um, the first twenty minutes. I thought we we were going to get beat 3-0, never mind win 3-0. Uh, Le- Leeds were very much on top. Um, but to be honest, you know, we, we scored that goal, that first goal. Gary Hooper's absolutely on fire at the moment. Um, you know, he, he scored a brace in, in the game. And I think he scored eight goals in eight games now. And, you know, you can't gumble with that at any level with with any striker. So uh, he's now joint top league goalscorer. Um so, yeah, once we went 1-0 up, you know, we, we didn't look back. Uh, outstanding performance in the end, especially up front and in the attacking third. I must say, we still slightly look vulnerable in defence. There were a few moments where, you know, you know, um, head in hands, if you like, where a couple of mistakes defensively have led to Leeds creating chances and, and probably could have scored a couple of those. So, to bag a clean sheet was... Was great, especially for Joe Wildsmith, who's come to come into the team in net for Westwood. Uh, but yeah, to, to run out three-nil winners, like I say, up front and in the attacking third, that's been our best display this season. Beating Leeds 3 0 at home, um, and unfortunately for Kevin, it came today because I think if they'd have played us any other week this season, you, you'd have probably beat us. So, uh, so yeah, we, international breaks probably. We, we had to win today, and then the international break will hopefully give us time to recoup and push on from there. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you quickly.
2: I've uh, I saw sort of a, a quite a funny clip on Twitter this week of the Carlos Carvajal press conference, which I'm sure sort of the, the majority of people have seen. Um, sort of especially the clip where he has the twenty pound note that he you know scrunches up, bangs on the table, and says it still retains its value. Um, I've seen some fans on Twitter sort of Sheffield Wednesday, um, one in particular saying that you should go out and get Carlo Ancelotti in, and you know sort of other things like that. What's your sort of um, view on Carlos Carval? Do you think he is the man sort of to to turn it around almost and sort of get you back up towards those playoff and automatic places?
1: I really hope so. Like, I've always liked Carvajal. And, you know, everyone knows this first few seasons in charge. He's, he's, he's done well. Like, especially the first season when we overachieved and got to the playoff final. The, the, the big question mark over Carvajal is, yes, he can get us into the playoffs. And there's no reason why he can't do it again this season. but Can he, you know, take us over that final hurdle and and get us to the Premier League? And that's the big question. Like I say, I I am a fan of Carvajal. He has had his critics, especially this last two weeks, and going on to the £20 note incident, um, I think it was just something that he'd already prepared pre-press conference, if you like. I think he knew tough questions were going to be asked and it was something, his his way around it. Uh, And in some ways... I understood what he was saying and it, and, it, and it made sense, you know, that the team's still worth the same and it there's still the same value. Um, and, you know, you, you do suffer defeats and you have to come back and bounce back. And, and, and luckily we've done that today because if we hadn't have won today, I was kind of sure it might have been his last game in charge, to be honest. Uh, but like you mentioned, fans talking about Ancelotti coming in and, you know, some fans, you know, it's, it's crazy because some fans are realistic. Others, they make you laugh. Others, are they just doing it for attention. But, I mean, I'm not being funny, but Ancelotti's probably never even heard of Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and not only that, it's all right saying let's spend £20 million and get a manager in. And, and paying that amount of money, you, you've got to consider financial fair play. And and if it were that easy, every club in the country with money would be doing the same thing. So, you know, you've got to be realistic. I am a firm believer in momentum and stability. And I'm sticking by Carlos Carvajal. The only thing that I believe that's letting us down recently is sometimes his tactics. It He seems to like play... We We only sometimes start playing after... After half-time, or going 1-0 down. Um, I think, actually, today against Leeds, obviously, we've gone on to win, but it's only the second time this season where we've actually took the lead in a game. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm sticking by him. Like I say, international break. I've always said, you, in any season, you need to give a manager until about De- December the 1st. See where you are in the league table. I believe if we're not in the top, Six by, like I say, December the first. Then again, questions will be asked, but I'm happy to wait until that date and see where we are from there.
2: Yeah, just moving on to uh, to you now, Kevin. Obviously, two games again for Leeds this week, and coming out of uh, your result last weekend, which was quite a narrow win against Ipswich, who sort of surprised many people this season. Um, so that turned out to be a good win for you. Um, this week, you had. Sort of two tough-looking games on paper against Birmingham and then also Sheffield Wednesday, as Louis touched on. Sort of talk us through the week for Leeds and how's it been? Yeah, well, obviously not a very good week. Over. it was Cardiff, actually, not Birmingham, that we played midweek.
0: But yeah, against against Neil Warnock, uh, we never do. We never seem to do that well. I think that's the fourth club he's managed against us, and he's managed to get a win against us. So he absolutely loves playing against Leeds. He always seems to get a good result. I mean, uh, when he came to Ellen Road last season, we were flying high um, in the division and he came and the beat Cardiff beat us 2-0 with a very similar sort of formation he had on Wednesday night, which we couldn't really contain um, for the 90 minutes. Even um, when we went down to 10 men, obviously that was curtains for us really after that, even though we did play quite a well in the second half. Um uh, it wasn't good enough, really, and we were hoping for a rea- reaction today against Wednesday. But obviously, first twenty minutes, I thought I thought we were the better team today. Saiz seemed to be running the show a little bit in midfield. seemed a matter of time before we scored a goal, but then. Um, Wednesday hit us with a sucker punch, and they were the much better team from then on in. Really, had Rosalgo got that early second half goal instead of hitting the woodwork, you never know. We might have pulled it around a little bit, but we never looked like we were going to score too many goals today as well. So it's very disappointing. I mean, Thomas Christian says you know we've been very soft against um, Millwall, Cardiff, and now um, today as well against Wednesday. But I I thought lessons might have been learned after the Millwall game because actually they pummeled us for 90 minutes and we didn't really get a kick that day and um, we haven't really learned how to play apart from the first three games actually we won fairly comfortably we haven't really performed in the last three away games our home form sort of turned around as well we're playing quite well at Ellen Road but away from home now we seem to have lost that touch and we, I think we need to be a bit more steely in the middle of the park really we can't really afford to have um too many flare players in the team we need a bit of uh, hardness thrown in there. We need maybe Vieira to come back in to make it a bit more solid with Phillips and O'Kane. Um, we need to be a lot tougher away from home and we were really sort of taken to bits over the last sort of two games really over the course of the 90 minutes on, on each performance. But having said that, we're in a strong position in the league. We're still in the playoff positions. We've got a couple of weeks now to regroup and get ourselves back together again. Hopefully we can start off um, where we started the season against Reading uh, on the 14th of October. But I don't think it's one, it's one of those leagues really where nobody's really going to run away with it this season. I don't think. There's no Newcastle, there's no Brighton there. Everybody seems to be beating each other at the moment. So it's very... I, I,
1: uh, sorry, Kev, I was going to yeah. say exactly the same as well. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be one of them seasons. And it's it's crazy how like... Even today's game, I know we've run out 3-0 winners, but one of my friends messaged me and I said, well, yeah, we've beat you 3-0 today and that's great for us, but... you still got four more points than what we have. I'd rather. Have, yeah. I'm not saying I wanted to lose today, but I'd rather mm. have been sat on twenty points. And I think, like you say, it's one of them seasons where you yeah. have a good month and you're gonna you're gonna fly right up the table.
0: Well, that's right, yeah, because we're four points behind Cardiff now, and uh, obviously Cardiff have been a bit of a surprise package this season. I think we're very s- sort of similar to Wolves in a way. We've got a new sort of foreign coach. We've got new um, foreign players in the team trying to get to know each other a little bit. So we're still very much a work in progress. But if you're a work in progress and you're still in the top six, then, you know, you can't be doing things too badly. It's just that the last two games have really highlighted how soft we are uh, in certain games. And we need to toughen up a little bit away from home now uh, before other teams start sussing us out a little bit more. And hopefully if we can get to January in in or around the top six, We'll get a good chance of, um, you know, getting some fresh blood in, in, in on January, but we are very stable at the moment. It's probably the most stable we've been in a number of years now. The ownership, you know, Razi is doing a great job behind the scenes. Uh, Christensen's obviously is learning the championship as week by week at the moment. And there's going to be a downside here and there. Unfortunately, a couple of the downsides have come in the last a couple of league games, but uh, there were very tough games on paper, and they proved to be very tough uh, on the grass as well. So, uh, hopefully, we can regroup after the, these two games now, and hopefully, uh, start afresh after the international
2: break. Yeah, you touched on it there a little bit. Um, sort of the question that I was going to ask you: obviously, Christiansen sort of coming for his sort of first real test now in yeah. sort of championship football. Does he seem like the kind of manager that will sort of Learn from that and and adapt and sort of as you've mentioned, make you a bit sort of harder to beat in the midfield and that kind of thing. Do you expect him sort of to learn from that and use that sort of further down the line in the season? Yeah, well, I was hoping he'd learn that after the Millwall game. He seemed to, he seemed to know everything what was wrong
0: after the one 0 defeat at the New Den, but he didn't really improve at all at Cardiff, and he certainly didn't improve after the first twenty minutes today at Hillsborough. So it makes you wonder if he has tried to change things, but the players haven't really brought that back, uh, brought it onto the pitch. Um, he is learning sort of on a weekly basis, but um, one one of the reasons he got the job, I believe, is that he did a fantastic presentation to the owner, saying where he believed where we went wrong in the in certain games last season, when Gary Monk lost lost a few certain games. He, he pinpointed where it went wrong. So he, he seemed to be good at picking out situations from Gary Monk's defeats last season but I think he needs to learn quickly now from the three defeats that we've had against Millwall, Cardiff and Wednesday where where it went wrong there and he, he seems to be a clever coach um, and I think he will get it right um, we're still in a very strong position after the 11 games it's one of our best stats in a very long time so hopefully he will move forward now with, with this and it, we could have gone second in the league had we won today. That's how close it was, really, um, points-wise. So there's no reason not to be um, pessimistic about the future. Um, it's early, do- sort of early doors into the season, and I think we've got off to a fairly decent start. It's just that the last two games are sort of really fresh in the mind and they're the only two games you can think about at the moment. But when you look at it over the course of the season so far, including the cup run, you know, we're not Burnley out of the cup as well the other week, which was a great performance. In context, it's been a fantastic start to the season. We just need to get that bit tougher away from home. And I think Christiansen will learn from this and uh, adapt accordingly uh, in future away games.
2: Yeah, and just moving on to Preston now. Um, it was sort of again same as you two guys, a double game week for us. Uh, two very tricky games on paper, not sort of reflected by where they both are in the league, but sort of the calibre teams that we we're playing. We started on Tuesday night with uh, a game against Hullaway. Um, which sort of on paper is one of your most difficult games of the season. Um, it was kind of the the sort of typical Preston away performance that I've sort of talked about on on the podcast in recent sort of weeks and months where we soaked up a bit of pressure and hit teams on the counter-attack with, uh, with with pace. And that was sort of really evident towards the end of the game where we scored in the 88th minute. Callum Robinson, who has been froze out a little bit this season due to sort of a few off-field things, and... Um, but, you know, fair play, he comes on, he takes his chance and he gets the goal, which, which helps us win 2-1. Um, we managed to hold on them for the last couple of minutes, but Hull never really looked like, you know, sort of troubling us apart from their goal. So that took us nicely into Saturday, which was sort of when the fixtures came out and then obviously with the news that Grayson was leaving, it was one game because we don't have any derby games this season that fans were really looking forward to and that was Grayson and then sort of as it turned out, Aidan McGeady coming back to d Dale, who, you know, say what you want about sort of the circumstances that they left in. They both did a great job, Grayson over the last few seasons and McGeady in particular last season for us. So at the start of the game, was that sort of respect. They both got sort of clapped onto the pitch um sort of nothing too over the top for them. Um, Cause at the end of the day, you're there to do a job and and to win a football match, but it was really sort of the manner of the first half performance by us in particular, which was quite disappointing. It was sort of similar to the, the first half at Birmingham, which, you know, is probably the worst we've played all season considering we then went on to win three one and it was more of the same. We found ourselves trailing at one uh, at halftime one nil and, and it seems to be, whatever Alex Neil says to them in the dressing room, we come out for the start of the second half in these games where we haven't played well in the first half and look a completely different team. And it was evident again yesterday, we came out, we got two goals back in the space of, I think it was two, two or three minutes. Um, two fantastic goals, first by Josh Harrop with a free kick across the box, which he's done already this season. So it seems, while many people thought the first one was a fluke, you know, if he's done that twice in... Sort of the space of three or four games, it's obviously something that they work on. People running across the ball to obstruct the keeper's view, um, which found the back of the net, and then Jordan Hugill probably scoring sort of one of the best goals he'll ever score, fall into him on his weaker foot on the edge of the box, and he smashes it into the top left corner. So, find ourselves going two one up in the space of a couple of minutes at the start of the second half, and then what was sort of disappointing about the second half is straight away you've got your two goals, you know sit back concentrate don't let them get back into it and literally a minute later Ada McGeady goes down the other end classic Ada McGeady like he did for us last season and sticks one in the bottom corner from outside the box and considering that many fans had been quite respectful to him during the game he sort of can only be described as a, an added by all which what he did a, a few years ago at, at Man City against Arsenal he scored in front of the Sunderland fans and then ran the full length of the pitch to uh, to go down and celebrate in front of our cop which as you can expect didn't go down too well and there were sort of uh, a few words said I think um, no idea how he didn't get booked for the celebration but you know there you go and um, so, last weekend, sort of when we were chatting about predictions, I'd said four points I'd be sort of delighted with out of this week, which is what we ended up getting. Um, just a little disappointing considering where Sunderland are in the table at the moment, not to put in a performance that, you know, we have done over the last couple of weeks against people like Cardiff, especially, and then in that second half against Birmingham. um but it's another game undefeated it's another point at home you know we're still in the top 6 and if if anyone had sort of offered any preston fan that at the start of the season considering sort of the tricky start we have had i think we've played sort of the so-called what you'd class as big teams on paper um even though sort of some of them aren't reflected by that with their league position at the moment um sick you know every preston fan would have been delighted about And it just goes to show really sort of the job that Alex Neal's done since coming in, in the summer. Um, We're not sort of the prettiest team to watch at times, but we are effective in what we do with sort of countering at pace. I think the one sort of main miss yesterday was Ben Pearson still out with, I think it's a calf issue. And then John Welsh, who is getting on a bit now and he's, he's played a few games since coming back from injury. I think he had a niggle yesterday, so missed out and it's, Sort of as Kevin said, we're leads. We just missed that sort of grit and sort of a bit of bite in the middle of the park, which I think if we'd have had one of those or both of them fit, I think it you know, would have been a different game. We didn't really bust the midfield, but that'd be sort of the only criticism I had of, of sort of the team selection yesterday, but Alex Neil's hands were tied sort of in that sense so he did the best with what he had available. Um,
1: you should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people
2: today. I just wanted to ask you both quickly. Obviously, you've you've covered the the two games from uh, from this week. Just players that sort of impressed you for whatever reason or if there was a particular player that disappointed sort of in the sense that, you know, he set his standards quite high and not lived up to that this week. Uh, Start with you first on this, Louis. Is there anyone in particular, sort of good or bad, that stood out for you this week?
1: Uh, Well, going to Birmingham, to be honest, most players were pretty poor, uh, so it's difficult to pick out anyone um, that was great. The only players really that did okay was probably Fletcher, Hooper... Uh, reach had quite a few shots on goal Uh, obviously didn't score Hunt did okay so everyone other than that was was pretty poor so it's it's going to be easier for me to talk about the Leeds game because obviously the Leeds game I I could pick out four or five players what I thought were fantastic today Um, and and they were all obviously in the attacking third I thought like I've mentioned earlier that's that's the best display in in the attacking third we've had all season so for me in midfield, Barry Bannon was, you know, he, he was outstanding today. He hit the post as well, probably should have scored. Uh, Kieran Lees did score. And again, you know, box-to-box midfielder, you know, sublime at times. Um, he's he quiet in the last few games recently. But, yeah, today back to his best. Um, and up front, Hooper and Fletcher, I, th- I thought, you know, together they've, Proving a very good partnership up front. Obviously, the keeping all the other strikers that we've got at the club, like you know Jordan Rhodes and Lucas Shaw, etc. I know Forestier is injured, but he's is playing them week in, week out now, and and they're really at their best. You know, especially Fletcher with his hold up play. He won everything today, and and Hooper is is just simply one of those players that he'll score your goals. He, he can he can go miss him for sixty minutes, but then and bag a brace like he's done today, and. You know, his his hold up play is, is decent, um, but in terms of goal scoring ability, is like I said, he's is joint top scorer this season in the league. So for me, over over the the period of week, I've I'm gonna to have to say Gary Hooper's been you know, is he's, he's at his best at the moment, so I, I can't look past him. Um the only disappointing player really that's he's he's not had a particularly bad game today. Um uh, but Van Arkens. Like I've previously mentioned, he's, he's just got a few mistakes in him. He's, he's he can see he's, he's only young. Um, he's got quality in him. You know, he, he can pass a ball, he can cross a ball, even long balls, etc. You name it, he can do it. But sometimes defensively, a couple of basic mistakes where it's just hoof the ball clear, job done. He's not doing it. And like I say, he's it he was punished last weekend twice or three times even against Sheffield United. He's got away with it today. But that's the only disappointing from today's fixture that I can pick out.
2: Yeah, and the same question to you, Kevin. Is there anyone who's particularly impressed or disappointed for Leeds over this week?
1: Well,
0: I probably our two worst performances of the season, really. So it's a bit harsh to pick anybody out, really. Because overall, I think everybody's done their bit over the course of the 11 games. And that's why we're in such a strong position, because everybody has been doing their bit. Um Obviously, people are going to point at the keeper today, Biedwald, um, German keeper, that's replaced Rob Green. Um, it's, it's difficult to be really harsh on the guy because he's, he sort of kept six clean sheets. and he, I think six of those were in a row as well. But having said that, in those in those games, he hardly had a save to make. And when he's had to make do something or make a save, he sort of, being at fault really. I mean you could say that it was a bit slow in coming out for for the goal today and maybe should have clattered the ball and clattered Hooper with it really. And you you might you know you could say yeah it was a strong sort of um performance if if he if would have done that. But it it's it seemed very weak uh at times today. Yet at the death he sort of pulled off a blinding save to Stop Hooper from getting a hat trick when he sort of finger it onto the bar. So it's a bit difficult. It's it's easy to criticise a goalkeeper when things are going wrong, but I think he's got to be looking at now. The keeper really is is the guy who gives the whole team confidence if it, if he does something right. And over the last couple of games, I don't think he you know he's he's been at fault really. And. I think Christensen will be seriously looking at maybe bringing in Andy Lonigan, you know, the number two for the Reading game because he's only had one game since he came to Leeds, his second, his second stint at the club. And he played really well against Burnley in, in the Cup and people were thinking, well, maybe he should stay in the side because he does give the back four a lot of confidence and that's what you want from your keeper. You want to be looking at him thinking, yeah, he's he's doing his bit today. But over the last two games, you've got to look at Leedvald and think, He hasn't really been assured in front, you know, uh, behind his back four. Um, So while it's a bit harsh criticising, like I say, overall all the clean sheets that he's made, I think that that's come collectively as as a side more than it has with him being a good goalkeeper. He really hasn't really done that much over those over those games. So I think Christensen will seriously look at that. Having said that. I thought it was a bit harsh losing Rob Green as well. I mean, he, he maybe should have tried to keep him at the club because I think he, he would be edging his way back into that position now. We we lost him last uh, during the course of the season. He's obviously number two at Uddersfield now. And we've lost um, Kyle Bartley. He went back to Swansea. And obviously we lost Chris Wood. They were three pivotal players in our season last season. And initially we didn't seem to be missing them too much. But when you look look at the last two games, you probably saw what they did for the club last season. They, They were assured. They were real captains of the team, if you like. And we're sort of missing that leadership at the moment within the side. Nobody's really... Grasping the players and saying, you know, you're doing, you should be doing this, you, you should be doing that. It seems, it's going back to that soft thing again. Everybody seems to be too nice to each other. You need somebody there who the, the players are going to be scared of and listen to. And we haven't really got that at the club at the moment. And even though, like I say, it's, it's, It's a bit harsh to be critical of the team in the position they're in at the moment. I think going forward, we've got to be looking at maybe getting a leader in there who uh, will sort the team out. And I think leadership starts with the goalkeeper. And I think Vidvald will probably be looking at his position now over the next couple of weeks and be thinking, you know, Lonergan might just get his chance when the season starts again on the 14th.
2: Yeah, and just quickly sort of moving on to the the Preston players, I think in particular I wanted to highlight, especially in the hull game, and it was down to Alex Neal really. It was one all going into sort of the, the final third of the game. And it was a sort of a game where in previous years Simon Grayson would have been sort of content with a draw, you know, away at hull. Um not many would have fancied it was but what Neil's done this season, which has been really impressive, is when we have been drawing games, he's he's still not been afraid to go for it. It was like when we played Leeds, we were down to 10 men and he brought on an attacker for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, which not managers had. Not many managers, you know, have the the guts to do. Um, so he brought in Callum Robinson and Daryl Horgan, who were involved in the winner. Horgan brilliant run down the right hand side, crossed it into Robinson, who you know has had his critics this season and not been in the manager's good books for sort of one reason or another. But he's there to to put in the header um, and sort of get us to three points. I think them two in particular. Uh, especially for the whole game. They've not been given sort of many chances this season, but if they keep sort of making an impact when they do come on, um, it won't be too long before we see them sort of pushing to get back into that starting eleven. 11. Um, with the Sunderland game, it wasn't sort of the best all-round performance. It'd be wrong to single someone out negatively, but the one player I did want to point out sort of positively, especially in the Sunderland game, and I've talked about him a few times this season, is Josh Earl, the young left-back. Um, for someone who's not made a professional start before this season, and then to, to come in when Greg Cunningham got injured um, ahead of what many people would class as our second left back, Kevin O'Connor, um, you know, he looks like he's been playing sort of for 10, 15 years. He's frighteningly good for his age. He's got great turn of pace for a lad who's, I think, six foot two, six foot three. Um, after the Birmingham game, Harry Redknapp couldn't speak highly enough of him, and I think he's going to have a massive future in the game. And we, uh, you know, we've just got him tied down on a new contract, and I think that's great business by us, and it sort of shows a bit of a statement of intent, really, there, because I'd imagine there'll be quite a lot of uh, clubs sniffing around him come January in the summer, if there's not already. Um, he's been absolutely fantastic this season, and. When he was thrown in, many people were sort of concerned because we didn't then go out and replace Greg Cunningham, even with just a lone player until he's back after Christmas. But to be fair to the lad he's come in and probably along with Daniel Fisher been you know our most consistent defender this season. So if he continues in the form that he's in, it's gonna be really sort of difficult for Greg Cunningham to actually get back into the starting eleven, which when he got injured, I didn't think I'd be saying, considering he's sort of been in the mix for player of the season, the last couple of seasons, and he's won it one year as well. So that tells you sort of everything about how Josh Earl's played so far. And I sort of wanted to single him out for, for praise in particular. Um, but just sort of moving on to, to one of the topics that so- talk to you both about today now and it'll be good to get your thoughts on this um last week we touched on why sort of the the so-called big teams so like your your uh, Hulls, your sunderlands to an extent villa but they've started to pick it back up now haven't been doing so well sort of especially this season you know you find sunderland in the bottom three still huller down there even though they had a great win yesterday against birmingham um we touched on it last week with them, but I wanted to ask you this week why you think. And we've talked about it a little bit, sort of on the start of the show, why the lesser fancied teams, if you could call them, that's so like your Ipswiches, your Bristol Cities, Preston to some extent, have started the season so well. And is there anything in particular that they're doing better than you know, like the, the so-called bigger teams? Um, start with you first on this, Kevin. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, really.
0: Yeah, I think well, the so-called bigger teams, like you say, Sunderland, Villa, Hull, they've had a sniff of the Premier League over the last sort of couple of seasons, and I think it's and Middlesbrough as well. I think it's a lot to do with the confidence factor. They, they haven't done that well in the in the Premier League, and they're bringing that negativity down to the Championship when they try and start afresh as well. They can't get rid of that. You know, Middlesbrough away performances were terrible in the Premier League, and the the they haven't really started the season that brilliantly this season, even with new management. So I think it's to do with the whole aura of the club, really, that they've had a lot of negative results, like Sunderland as well. They've hardly won away, um, hardly won at home, actually, in, in a long time. So they're bringing that down with them, I think, even though they're getting the financial clout from Uh, parachute payments and stuff. It doesn't seem to be working for them. I mean, it's taken Villa a couple of seasons now to maybe start getting things right. Uh, Because like you said before, they are sort of improving the results a little bit. But it it has not taken them a little while. And I think also going back to what I said previously, there's, there's no real big team running away with it at the moment. So I think the likes of Bristol, City, Preston... Even Cardiff, who are surprising a few people at the moment, they're, they're sort of taking advantage of all the negativity going around with the so-called bigger clubs. And they're sort of making hay, getting good results early doors. And they seem to be taking the championship by the scruff of the neck this season. And it's good to see you know, new teams doing well. And obviously, Birmingham were sort of transformed a bit over the summer as well. I mean, Dave Stocks, Stocks one of the best keepers in the championship last season. Why he didn't stay and I don't know, but obviously he got offered good money to go to Birmingham, and things really haven't worked out for him that well there, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably the most open championship uh, league in a very, very long time because, like I said before, nobody's running away with it at the moment and there's not not many points between Cardiff and when you go down to, say, Fulham in in 10th with 17 points, it's a very open league, and uh, teams like Sunderland, Villa, and Norwich, to a, a lesser degree, they've had a couple of seasons in the in the Championship now. They're finding it hard to get straight back up to the Premier League because um, they don't seem to have that. You know, the swapping and changing managers all the time, and there's no sort of stability there. And obviously, that's what that's a strong thing to have in this league. If you if you're stable and you you, you stick with your manager, the, um, Norwich were on about. Making some people were saying they made a bad mistake getting Fark in early in the season but it seems to have turned things around there now and it's, I think it's going to be the most open league in, in many a long time and I'd, um, it's going to be intriguing really to see you know how the top six finishes next season because there's plenty of clubs that could do
1: it this season
2: Yeah and same to you Louis really I wanted to get your thoughts on it as well similar to Kevin's
1: Yeah I've got to agree with Kevin um, for me it's all about um, momentum and, and confidence plays a huge factor. Um, I think the bigger clubs or so-called bigger clubs, as we mentioned, that come down from the Premier League, I think it takes time for them to adapt and it can take, it can take up to a full season for that to happen sometimes. Uh, not many teams actually do bounce back. Um, and I think, as we've mentioned, the good starts of the so-called lesser teams in the league, like your Bristol City, Ipswich, Cardiff, Sheffield United, they've all kept their managers and it's, like I said, it's all about momentum and preparation and the mentality and teams like Sheffield United, who've, you know, come up from League One, have carried on that with that momentum of, of winning games and they've got a togetherness and a, an attacking energy, basically. And and they've also got nothing to lose, whereas, you know, a lot, a lot of big teams in this league, like your Sunderlands and your, your Villas, and I, I know they've picked up form, but, they're probably under more pressure because they're expected to finish in that top six or even top two, if you like. Uh, So the pressure's definitely on. Um, But teams like Bristol City, yeah, they they play really great attacking football. And like I say, they they may have an element of luck along the way, but it's it's not always about money as well. Like a lot of teams, you know, they'll, they'll go and spend five, 10, 15 million pound now in this league. And, you know, a, a lot of teams, especially, well, look at Huddersfield last season. You don't have to go and spend money. If you've got the right infrastructure, um, you've got a togetherness, you've got a good spine in your team, that confidence, you know, you win a few games and, you know, the league's your oyster, if you like. You can you can go on and achieve many things. So, for me, yeah, like Kev says, it's it's just all about confidence. And, and in this league, games come thick and fast and anyone can beat anyone on the day. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, to be honest.
2: I think what struck me in particular, you mentioned there with Huddersfield last season, um, similar to how we've done, you know, you bring in these sort of young players, hungry players, for example, with us, like Ben Pearson, uh, Josh Harrop, who haven't been given a look in at Premier League teams and they're eager to prove something. You get them in for, you know, sort of little money and, To some extent, they've got more to prove than sort of the established professionals who, you know, have come down with, with your teams like Sunderland and that kind of thing. And I think another reason is you've got teams coming down and we've seen it sort of to some extent with, for example, Arsenal in the Premier League. You get your Sunderland or your Hulls coming down and there's sort of a bit of a sort of negativity like looming over the club. You get your teams like your Bristol's who are good sort of attacking teams. And I think in seasons gone past... To use Bristol as an example, they'd go to Hull and think, you know, we'll take a point here um, as long as we don't get beat. And they kind of sit back, whereas I think now it's changing in the sense that teams are going to to places like Hull, like your Villas, your Sunderlands, and they're not fancied. So they think, you know, what have we got to lose? And they're kind of catching them off guard a little bit we saw with Sheffield United at Sunderland, which is a sort of a perfect example, went out, attacked them, get Sunderland on the back foot early and straight away the fans are sort of on the team's back, similar to how they were in the Premier League when it's not going well week in, week out for you. And, you know, it, it's easy to sort of take away the crowd factor from these sort of so-called bigger teams. And I think nowadays it's shifting that, you know, there's not the respect in in some ways where a big team had come down and you'd go to, you know, like your Sunderlands and think, okay, yeah, they're a big team. We'll hold on for a point uh, and then win sort of the so-called league games. I think, yeah, as I've said, teams are going there with not much fear now. And I think it's making the league more exciting to watch, um, sort of as we've seen by some of the scorelines and results this season. And it's it's making it sort of a much more competitive league. And as we've touched on, I don't think there's going to be that one team uh, or two teams sort of like a Newcastle or, or Brighton uh, did last season who are going to be sort of at the top for the majority of the season. I think, you know, you could pick probably 10, 10, 11 teams at the moment who I think throughout the season, it's going to chop and change, hopefully sort of Preston, you know, our teams are up there. Um, but I think it's going to be fascinating to watch sort of how the season evolves and I think it will be sort of, you know, potentially a team that hasn't been in the Premier League before or one that hasn't been in the Premier League for a while that does end up going up. And I think that'd be such sort of a positive thing for the first and foremost, the championship, to show it's not sort of the same teams that are yo in between the division each season, between sort of the top of the championship and the bottom of the Premier League. And to get these sort of fresh teams coming up and it keeps it sort of exciting for everyone then, Um but sort of the second topic I wanted to touch on today, we, we touched on it last season towards the end of the season um, with Jake, who was host at the time, and it was the sort of the standard of refereeing in the championship. Um, obviously, we've had the close season now and we've had things like uh, in Germany, we've had uh, VAR come in and there's been other examples sort of in the Champions League. They've got, you know, the extra official behind the goal now. I just wanted to get your thoughts on sort of this season so far how you would sort of assess the the standard of refereeing and and what could be done to improve it? Um, we'll start with you first on this one, Louis. Is there any sort of particular instance that you'd like to highlight, or is there anything that you think could
1: sort of aid officials in the championship? Uh, you know what? I, I've been thinking about this question question and it's it's difficult to say because, as you know, you you go to football week in week out and and one week the referee goes unnoticed because he's probably had a really good game. And it's, you know, I'm not saying every decision, but 95% of decisions, it's quite simple for him to to ref the game and you come away and and you don't mention it. And then you turn up to a home game the week later and the decisions that a ref makes is just absolutely atrocious and it can ruin a game and, you know, it can work in the favour of one team. and, And I know they say it's swings and roundabouts and, It's always going to be human error. Um, So regarding development and change, the, the only change that I think they can make where they're going to get every single decision spot on is, is introducing more technology. But if I'm honest, I don't know what that could be. I mean, if, if, if I were to have a conversation with a referee before the game and, or, or to every every referee in, in the league before a game. You, sometimes the ref seems to make quite a few rash decisions sometimes, which can affect a game. And it might be worth every referee, before making a decision, even if they think they're 100% right, getting a second and third opinion from their fourth official or you know the linesman or whatever they need to do, and just maybe take that extra five, ten seconds to think about what decision they're actually making. And, and I don't mean just obviously a, a simple foul, etc. What I'm talking about is game-changing decisions like penalties and, and red cards. And like I say, sometimes it it might just seem a bit rash. And, and they're the big talking points in a game where we come away and go, well, he sent him off, but it was never a red card. And maybe that's where they need to you know take a step back sometimes and just just think about it for 10 seconds while they're alone and, you know, push all... I know all the players crowd around when these decisions are made, but, you know, just just take that extra time and and work it out from there. And that's the only way I can see referees improving without the use of more technology. Uh, But I'm interested to hear what you guys say on that as well. Yeah, same to you, Kevin. Sort of what would be your
0: thoughts on it? I'm surprised, Louis, I
2: mentioned the... um... The
0: guys today who officiated the game because they made a couple of horrendous decisions really today. They I don't did, think it was, yeah. I think it was the ref, I don't think it was the referee's fault. He, he, referee's sort of guided by his the linesman really, or assistant referees. Uh, he made a bad mistake initially. Roof had a good chance on goal and just missed and. Uh, the keeper pulled off a good save, and the linesman put up his flag, but he was never offside. So, yep. in a way, I, I'm glad he didn't score because it would have been chalked off. And then Lee scored a perfectly good goal to make it. I think it might have been making it two 0 at the time. And he, he, when he showed the replay, you could see he was he was well on side. So, two glaring mistakes by the linesman today, which were, sh- were shocking, really. You know, in in such a big game like that. Um, I think you know uh, people have mentioned it before that it stops the game too much but I think um I think you should have a, a each club really should have or each side should have a two or three challenges during the course of a game to say look I think you got that one wrong would you mind just sort of reviewing it maybe have two or three reviews during the course of the game and if if, if the if had a reviewed that in a couple of those incidents you know obviously things have changed because they would have reversed their original decision and i think it should not only go for offside decisions it should go for you know red cards and stuff like that as well i think it it doesn't take it only takes a few seconds to have a quick review on a on a replay and i I don't think it would have a much that much effect on the game i know some some sort of fans would say yeah it's going to spoil the whole structure of the match but i think you've got to catch up with technology these days i mean uh you can the the poor linesman or the referee sometimes they get they get barrack so much for for decisions they need a bit of help sometimes and they've done it now with the goal line technology in, in the championship and I think they should sort of progress a little bit more as well as you know for, as for the refereeing standards I mean it was poor today I mean the line the linesman were poor but a, a lot of the times the championship seems, seems to get punished by if a Premier League, if a Premier League referee makes a mistake, he sort of gets banished for a week or two. Says, "All right, you're not going to, you're not going to um, be a, an official uh, a Premier League game now until you've sort of learned from that mistake." Take a take a Championship game. <laughs> the Championship get gets punished by decisions made in the higher league. Sometimes we we get we get a poor referee who's done a bad job, and they they sort of. Uh, 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 they're the official of the, of the of the game in the championship. So, I think it's unfair sometimes that the, the way the structure is done. But overall, you got to say during the course of seasons, it's an old cliche. Yeah, things may even out. You may get a poor decision one week and a a good decision the next. But I think we've got to catch up with the twenty first century uh, technology these days and make it a bit easier for them. And I think that would help really.
1: Yeah,
2: I completely agree with what you two have mentioned there with the use of, you know, more technology coming in potentially. But then, you know, there's always that argument that it disrupts the game, sort of, especially in Germany from what I've seen so far. There seems to be, I think, a bit of teething issues with it, which I think, in a way, I'm kind of glad they've chose just one league to use it on to start with. I think at the moment there's sort of the, the option there to review it if it's sort of a potentially sort of, in quote, big decision, um, but we're seeing sort of teams at the moment, you know, just using it for the sake of using it, and then because they've had that challenge, uh, the referee has to go off for sort of thirty seconds, review it, uh, and more often than not, he sticks with his sort of initial decision. So I think, as you mentioned, Kevin, if there was a way to implement, you know, a, potentially a couple of challenges a game, similar to how they do in cricket, and once they're gone, they're gone. Um, I think that, if you were going to go down the VAR route, sort of certainly help that um, rather than breaking up the play sort of every other decision. Oh. Um, and I think, as sort of as we've touched on as well, you know, potentially more help for for sort of linesmen. I think quite a lot of say quote refereeing decisions that people get on their backs about the majority are sort of offside calls, which I think is, is really hard for the referee and quite unfair to point the blame on him at times Um, as he's, you know, not in the best view yeah. to see something uh, that is happening right in front of him. He can't sort of be over the top looking along the line. Um, so I think if there was a way to sort of help, help lines, I'm not sure how you'd do that. Um Potentially, maybe, sort of, I've heard some people talk about replacing linesmen with sort of like a hawkeye system but again i'm not sure how you'd how you'd work that and sort of implement it um but it's sort of there's no sort of right or wrong answer and it's sort of good to have a debate about it sort of get different people's opinions and i think going down that route especially by having lots of opinions on it eventually we will see more technology or sort of more aids to the officials and it's only by having these conversations that you can really sort of get different perspectives and different ideas on it. And I think, you know, we'll look back probably in say five, 10 years time and think, you know, why didn't we have these kind of things sooner? Uh, same with how we do now with goal and technology, you know, it's black or white now. And it's not one of those decisions where, you know, you can contest sort of a yellow or a red card as down to sort of interpretation, you know, a goal is a goal or the ball in play. It's It's either it is or it isn't. It's not sort of a, you know, a, a dusty area that you can sort of argue about um so i think definitely in that regard is it's helped um but it will be interesting over the next couple of years to see how it evolves and, and sort of what is brought in um just wanted to finish on obviously there's there's no games next week um but i just wanted each of you just to give me just a quick sort of uh, little preview almost of, of our games coming back after the international break so just a little prediction uh sort of score-wise and how you think your team's all doing it. Uh, Start with you first on this, Louis. You're away at Bolton, uh, who've
1: struggled. How do you see the game going? Yeah, we are. Bolton away. I mean, on paper, you'd think it's nothing but three points. Uh, Bolton haven't won in the league this season. Um, They've only scored four goals, I believe, as well, in the league this season. Um, But yet, they beat us 3-2 in the cup and knocked us out of that. So, you know, it's it's one of them games where it's probably iffy for us, but on paper, we should be running out, you know, two, three nil winners. Um, so really, it's 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 a must-win game. You know, we've got to carry on that momentum. Teams like Bolton, who are sat, you know, firmly at the bottom of the league, we, we've just got to win. Um, simple as that. Um, it's looking up because... In terms of injuries, the international break may have come at the right time. I'm I'm hoping that Glenn Leuvens and um, Sam Hutchinson return um, after the international break. Um, They'll definitely add some more strength to our spine, especially defensively, which I've talked about the frailties earlier on. Uh, But if I was going to predict, which I hate, I'm not, (laughs) which I don't like doing for this game, um, because it could, you know, it could be a bit sticky for us, but I'm going to say that we're going to win 2-0, just simply because we've got to beat Bolton, Uh, so yeah, I'll stick with that 2-0 victory Uh, And the same to you Kevin, you've got
2: sort of a a difficult looking home game on paper after a couple of sort of disappointing results for yourself Um, home to Reading, how do you see the game going?
0: Yeah, I think it's a good game to get actually, because the Road will be rocking again with over 30,000 fans I'm sure, Reading have surprised me a little bit this season, because been a bit lacklustre the start to their season. They're only on nine points and in 20th position. And our old friend, Jap Stammer, will be coming back to England. So he'll probably get a good reception from the Leeds crowd. Um, he was known as Mr. Possession uh, last season because they had so much possession in the games without actually doing anything most of the time. They used to pass it around the back four a lot. But it uh, doesn't seem to be working for them this season because, like I said, they've only had two wins in ten games. And it's been a bit lackluster, which is surprising because obviously they reached the playoff final uh, last season, only lost on penalties to Huddersfield. So you wouldn't expect them to come out running really this season, but things haven't really worked out. But I'm predicting Leeds will get back to winning ways hopefully because our home form is good this season. And I expect us to get our fourth home victory of the season. Won't be an easy game by any means. I'll set you know 1 0, maybe 2 0. It's going to be a low scoring game, but I, I reckon. We've we'll have plenty of time to get back on track again. Christians and will get them sorted out again, and hopefully, uh, we'll get back to winning ways.
2: Yeah, and just quickly to, to touch on Preston, we've got you know a difficult game on paper. It's kind of been sort of a bogey ground for us in the two years we've been back. It's away at Fulham, who you know are always good at Craven and Cottage, and no doubt I'll be talking to Russ, uh, who also features on this podcast about it. Um, if you were to ask me now, I'd, I'd take a draw happily um you know it's a difficult place to go we'll take a lot of fans down there as we always do to the London games. so hopefully we can sort of the team can give something to shout and, and you know smile about um really tough game but hopefully we should have Ben Pearson back I think Alex Neal's you know said he's going to be back fit from this calf injury or sort of back in the squad at least after the international break and most likely John Welsh as well. So there'll be them two there that we missed against Sunderland. Um apart from that, no sort of other injuries really looking like they'd be coming back. The only other ones that are out at the moment are Tom Clark, Greg Cunningham and Declan Rudd, the keeper who are out with sort of longish term injuries. So I think it will be sort of end of October, November before we sort of see Declan Rudd in particular. And then after Christmas for the other two. Um, but yeah, I'd take a draw and um, potentially i think that's how the game will go you know fulham have struggled a little bit this season even though they got that that good win against qpr on friday night so yeah draw i'd be absolutely delighted with but as long as we can get a result and and keep up with the sort of the top of the pack um there'll be no complaints from me um but with that we're out of time thank you for joining me today guys if you both wanted to tell everyone where they can find you and what projects you're involved in now would be a good time
1: so my name's Louis Shackshaft. Uh, I represent Sheffield Wednesday on the podcast. Uh, I do a lot of freelance writing and it's obviously talking and writing about Sheffield Wednesday uh, for different publications. And you can check my Twitter handle is just my name at Louis Shackshaft.
0: Yeah, I'm Kevin Markey, Legion United Mad. Uh, catch me on Leeds United underscore mad on Twitter or my Leeds United Mad website. Um, And join me on the Yorkshire football show on Radio Yorkshire, where you can do a lot of contributions if you're involved with Yorkshire clubs. So hope to hear from you, uh, Louis, on Wednesday, if you want to join us on that. It'd be great to get your uh, contribution on Wednesday. Cool.
2: Send me a message, Kev. I'm in. I will do, bud. And yeah, you can also follow me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers, uh, where I tweet mainly about Preston and a bit of Bundesliga as well, if you're into that. Um, I write for a Preston North End fan blog, which is at Deepdale Digest, where we have weekly pieces come out, player match reviews, and also previews to the coming games. So yeah, definitely check that out. Um, Cheers for joining me today, guys. And we'll see you next time.